Hi, and thanks for tuning in. Here it is Wednesday, September 8th, 2021. I'm Sky Walker, and this is Radio Memories. Today, our special guest is radio legend. I know he's very humble. He just considers himself radio veteran and voiceover guru, Jeff McNeil. I've known this man since I was 17 years old when he was brought into K-Hits 97 to do 7 to Midnight. I was doing the overnight shift from midnight to 5 a.m., and we became close friends. You had to become close friends in those days, especially working in the uh, Mortuary Crematorium at 338 Southwestern Avenue that housed the radio station, formerly 10Q. And uh, that's uh, at that point, Greater Media was building us new studios on Wilshire Boulevard. It was very scary to be there all alone. <laughs> so we all kind of hung out together, and uh, there was a a lot of camaraderie at the station at that point. And um, uh, he has a very talented guy. He's got a, a long career in radio, and uh, he has agreed to come on Radio Memories and share his stories. And joining us from his home studio in Temecula, California, radio legend Jeff McNeil. Jeff, it is so good to see you. It's been such a long time. It's, I think you're the first and only person who's ever referred to me as a legend. So, oh my I thank, goodness, you I are thank a you, radio I, legend. I thank you for that. We're getting off on, on the right foot. No, I'm not. I, I, oh, I, yes, you are. No, I've known you and I are just one year apart. Yeah. And you were, you and I worked together at, at K Hits 97. We were kids. Yeah. You had already been at a radio station. I was, I, I got lucky and, and got started on 10Q. But yeah. you were, and that was in the middle of the night on Sunday morning when nobody was listening. But you actually, this man was born with pipes. And we always knew he was going to be just just a, a big success. So what's going on in Jeff McNeil's life now? Uh, right now, I'm doing voiceover for a living, uh, which I've been doing exclusively for the last close to 20 years. Um, it was so cool when you were doing NBC4. Oh, thanks. Yeah, because, for, for nine years. Because yeah. I would always go, hey, there's Jeff. <laughs> yeah. It was just cool to, to because you yeah. and I were real close, or, you know, early oh, yeah. years. And so yeah. it was always cool to hear you. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't even know you were aware that I was doing that at the time. So, oh, yeah. so, so, so thank you. Yeah, it was, that was the best, uh, the best single gig I think I've ever had. I mean, I was there for nine years and, uh, we oh, can, can, can I tell, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, there's no, a funny ahead. story. Sure. When you and I were at KHITS 97. Right. And the station was beginning to, to get really boring. Remember, you're doing seven to midnight. Yeah. And, and you confided in me. You, you were the only, you, and you were the only one to confide, confide in uh -oh. me. You said, uh oh, what's coming? <laughs> what did I say? I got a gig. At Disco 102.7 Kiss FM, but don't tell anyone. Oh, and I said, wow. okay. And yeah. to me, I didn't care. <laughs> right, right. I was just a kid. I didn't know what that meant, actually. Yeah. I didn't know that we couldn't do that. <laughs> That's how young and naive I was. Oh, uh, as, far as, as far as telling people you got another job while you're still working at one? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because yeah. because K Hits wasn't a union gig, right? Right, and 
And it was so scrambled, and we were in that horrible, you know, 338 Southwestern Avenue. It wasn't the old, they had taken the old 10Q equipment out, and we were working with all that crappy equipment. Yeah. And, and so. And the shag, the orange shag carpeting on the walls. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but when you had got the gig, you know, yeah. at, at Kiss FM. Yeah. You asked me not to tell anybody, and yeah. I didn't. Yeah. And that went on for months. For was I months. was I was I working on both simultaneously? Yes, you were working weekends at Kiss at Disco One Hundred Two Point Seven Kiss FM. How, how and during I... that time, they changed it to Dance Radio Kiss yeah. FM. Yeah, that was a very strange time in radio, and nobody notices at K Hits. That's nobody, so funny. Nobody notices because I think K hits was so scrambled at that point. Yeah, uh, uh, you know they were they were uh, in the transition uh, uh, of becoming a very soft adult contemporary station. Yeah. And you had complained about it. Pat Evans, the jock before you had complained about it, went back to KHJ. Yeah, nobody liked the station. Yeah, and and you were doing it for a paycheck, and you said it's not a lot of money, so I really don't care. Right. And um and I think you finally resigned from it. I well, don't think anybody ever found out. Yeah, I actually I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I left before I could get fired. Because yeah. I, I saw that coming. My stint at K Hits was just a very brief little blip. Uh I had been at Q one oh two. Right. In fact, that was the first station I worked at in L.A. I got hired by Bill Stevens to do weekends and fill in at Q102, right. which was at the time was a pretty big station. It was right. doing great with the disco stuff, and it was had good numbers. Very and, popular. Uh, Very yeah, popular. Yeah, it was a really interesting. And great jingles. I don't remember those. But anyway, there's a lot I forget. But it was a good staff, and uh, it was run by inner city management, inner city broadcasting. And um, I remember at the time even thinking it was odd because inner city broadcasting was a black owned corporation. All of the officers were African American. And they also owned the AMKGFJ here in yeah, LA. I yeah. didn't, I, I was, I don't know if I was aware of that or not at the time. Probably was, but I forgot. But I remember it struck me as so odd that all of the jocks, except for one on the radio station, were white. Lee Bailey was the only African-American on the air at Q102. I remember thinking, even at the, even then, I thought, this seems weird. I, but, you know, I wasn't going to argue it because I, you know, I, I was able to work. But so Bill Stevens um, is the one who gave me my first shot in L.A. I was 19 years old, and I was working in uh, Port Wyneme a.k.a. Oxnard. Port Wainini sounds so much better than Oxnard. At uh, KC-152, 50,000-watt clear channel uh, AM station. When I say clear channel, I don't mean the conglomerate. I mean right, the, not what the clear, company. What clear channel used to mean, yeah. And um, The frequency. Yeah. The clear channel frequency. Yeah. And, I, and I had just, t- I had a lot more ambition than talent at that point. And you'll like this story. I really wanted to work I loved listening to KFI. I listened to Eric Chase, you know, Paul Christie. And and I loved that station. And I actually called John Rook from my apartment in, in Ventura. 
I said, hi, Mr. Rook. Uh, my name's Jeff McNeil, and I just want to let you know I'm going to be sending you an air check. I hope you get a chance to listen to it and consider me for maybe some part-time work, if nothing else. And uh, and uh, he goes, oh, where are you from? I said, well, I'm working in Oxnard at Casey. And he goes, he said, well, why should I even bother listening to uh, an air check with an Oxnard postmark when I can get so-and-so from Dallas or so-and-so from Chicago or blah, 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 you know, all these. And so I said in my cocky, young arrogance, I said, well, if you don't even have enough objectivity to listen to my air check, how do you know I couldn't kick ass on all those guys? And he just kept like, who, who is this? You know, as he hung up the phone, you know, I <clears throat> called up Q102, talked to Bill Stevens, very nice guy. And he didn't hire me, but he listened to my air checks and critiqued them. And uh, I remember him saying, well, you got a little bit of bubble in your, because I was kind of doing a little puking thing, you know. You want to no, 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 don't do that. Don't talk out of your throat. Talk out of your diaphragm. Blah blah blah. blah. I I learned and I developed and I improved, and I kept sending them air checks. You know, not bugging them for a job, but just say, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to to help me out here, help me improve. So thank you. So after a few months of that, he said, you know, I think I've got something for you. You know, you can put you to work uh, weekends and some weekend shifts. And I thought, wow, thank you so much. And that was a union gig. So even weekends and Phil was pretty good money for a 19-year-old kid. Any union gig was always good. Oh, yeah. So uh, anyway, I I went to to work part-time at Q102. And while I was there, there was this huge cataclysmic upheaval when inner city broadcasting decided to bring in Frankie Crocker from their station WBLX in New York, mm-hmm. where he was number one and huge. They were going to bring him to L.A., and he was going to make Q102 explode. What they what they didn't understand and they never factored in is that New York and L.A. are so polar opposite. Night there's, and day. Yeah, there's just a whole different vibe. And what works in New York isn't going to work in L.A. and vice versa. Scott Shannon was probably one of the few exceptions to that rule when he went. And not really, not really. He wasn't an exception because it didn't work. Pirate radio didn't work. And for that very (laughs) same reason. Okay. You know better than I would because I, you know, I never listened to that. You can really tell when somebody's perception of LA and, and somebody's um, understanding of LA and it's a complete difference. KISS FM had a great understanding of Southern California. Sure did, yeah. KKHR did not have an understanding of L.A. It didn't sound like a Southern California radio station. Mm. It did sound like a packaged radio station. Okay, put it in the oven, hit three minutes, and voila, here's your radio station. Yeah. Pirate radio didn't sound like a Southern California radio station at all. Yeah. And, and so once again, I, I digress. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. I, I was just going to say, so, so while I was at, at Q102, they brought in Frankie Crocker and he, he was like Darth Vader personified. He'd walk into the room and the temperature would drop 10 degrees. He was very intimidating presence. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, I remember being at a, at, a, at a staff meeting and all the jocks who had been there for years and years hated him, couldn't stand him because he was making them do things differently the way he didn't want to do it. He, he thought he knew what the station needed and they just were opposed and it was just a big mess. So the station, the jocks kind of mutinied and tried to do an end run around him to get him fired. And I remember a, a day a memo came out that said, meeting about the program director, or something to that effect. <laughs> the guys all thought that Frankie Crocker was resigning or had been kicked out. And they brought in Kentucky Fried Chicken, and it was a big party, and everyone was eating and laughing and drinking, and oh boy, yeah, ding dong, the witch is dead. He walks in, everybody, down the hall. So we go into the into the, the prize the prize closet. It was another office that they put all the prizes in. So we're sitting around. And he says, uh, Chris Roberts, Lee Bailey, uh, you know, da-da-da-da-da, Bill, you know, you're done. You can go. And we thought, the rest of us thought, oh, my God, we're all getting fired. What had just happened? He had just fired them, these full-time guys in front of everybody. Just unceremoniously, you're done. He took Lon Thomas, who had been uh, doing PM Drive, uh, and made Lon Thomas his board op in the morning. Imagine, imagine what that does to your psyche, your ego. Oh, you're at radio. That's you're doing just... afternoon drive. Now you're going to run this guy's board in the morning. He took Bill Stevens, who had been doing mornings put him on the all-night shift. And Bill Stevens was the program director. Now he was on the all-night shift. So uh, he made me, at the tender age of 19, production director, which I thought, oh, terrific, good. This meant I'd dub the spots, I'd voice the spots. And what they didn't realize is if I voiced the spots, they had to pay me union scale for doing that work. Mm -hmm. When they found out that, I thought, oh, well, no, we can't have you voicing the spots. You can just run the controls and push the buttons. And I thought, okay, I, this isn't what I signed up for. So I quit, and I went to KISS FM. Uh, Mike Wagner hired me to do part-time and fill in there. So I started working at KISS FM at that point um, in 1979. Well... About a month or two later, I get a call from Frankie's assistant. She says, uh, Frankie would like to meet you, would like to talk to you. So what about? And she said, well, I think he wants to offer you a full-time position. I said, really? So sure enough, Frankie Crocker hired me to do a full-time shift because he had just fired another jock, and he was shorthanded. I think he put me on the evening shift then. I was doing 7 to midnight or something. So that was my first full-time thing in L.A. Eventually... The mutiny succeeded. Frankie Crocker was out. Bill Stevens was back as program director. I'd always stayed on friendly terms with him, even though he'd been humiliated by this whole episode of being mornings and PD, and now he's doing the all-night shift. They were trying to force him out. Uh, and I found myself uh, doing all-nights for a while. So now I'm back, you know... <laughs> 
I'm back in my and, place. And during this time, <laughs> how is it? Do you slip into to KHTZ? Gene Knight from KS, the Greener. Right. He never knew him. I never spoke to him. I had no idea. He called me and he said, uh, "Hey, I, you know, I was listening to you on Q102, and I liked what you did, and I noticed you're not." doing the evening shift anymore or, you know, we could really use a guy like you over at K hits. And if you like, I'll, I'd be happy to uh, talk you up to Bobby rich. And I went, wow. Well, yeah, thank you so much. That was singularly the nicest thing that anybody has ever done for me in this business. What a nice stranger. Guy. Yeah. Totally. He didn't know me. He didn't know if I was a jerk. He just knew that he liked what I was doing and, Wanted to lend a hand if he could. So I left Q102 and I went to K-Hits and uh, loved Bobby Rich. He was a great PD. Great. Enjoyed every moment and he treated me nice. I remember the first the first few weeks I was there, I'd see um, Art Charlie Tuna in the hall. And I grew up listening to Charlie Tuna. And I was like, I, I was like, yeah, I, I idolized the guy. But he just walked by me and not really say anything or pay any attention. And I remember feeling a little uncomfortable, a little awkward about that. The thing so what, with Charlie is he was always in his own world. Okay. And you had to know Charlie to realize that. Well, and, I, and, and, and I, I was, didn't know that till way later in years. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I never knew that until you just told me. But after a few weeks of this kind of like being ignored, all of a sudden, I'm in the production room one day or something, and he looks up and he goes, hi, guy. And I go, oh, hi. And so we just started talking, and then everything was cool. Everything opened up, and I was one of the guys, so that made me feel really good. Well, anyway, that station, as you mentioned already, was going through a lot of changes. It was it was in the former mausoleum on Western Avenue, which was a scary as hell place to be at night when everybody left. And well, it was off. a mortuary crematorium. Yeah. And, it, and, and, it, and it, it was never torn down. Right. The crematorium was still intact. Yeah. Below, um, and the embalming slab was used as the conference table. For, uh, you know, they used to embalm people. And this nice marble slab, well, that makes a good desk. Let's leave it. Just put some office chairs around This is what we were doing in the 70s. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then Bobby got thrown out, and uh, he got fired for whatever reason. And Jim Connolly, Well, because they kept softening and softening and softening and softening the format yeah, yeah. to the point where we were no longer playing any top 40 music. We were playing I remember. lots of Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. And even, and, they, you were, and even you were complaining at that point because... I think you said, God, if I have to play Sounds of Silence one more time, I think I'm going to shoot myself. You remember this stuff a lot better than I do. Oh, my God. Because at that point, Mike Wagner was making Kiss transition from more of a disco to more of a mainstream top 40 because you guys were starting to play Don't Stand So Close to Me. Yeah. The last time I had heard you, you were playing Kano. I'm ready. And now huh. you're playing Don't Stand So Close to Me. So yeah. it's becoming, it's starting to transition. You know, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. It, they're, he's pulling away from that disco sound. And it was starting to sound good. Yeah. And and compared to K-Hits, yeah. 
I wanted to go to Kiss so bad. <laughs> it, you know, it was a, it was a really interesting place to work, and uh, I spent three years there total, uh, yeah. doing weekends and Phil. And I, it, during that three years, I think we went through six different PDs and uh, a lot of different format changes. And but it was a very interesting and dynamic place to be. Uh, I was there working one weekend when Rick Dees walked in for the first time with his box of carts to set up because they had just hired him. So I was, it was kind of neat being there for, for the beginning of all that. But um, yeah, so K-Hits was changing. They moved the, the studios to Wilshire or whatever it was behind the Purple Onion or whatever it was. Uh, nice new studios. But uh, anyway, Bobby left. Jim, Jim was elevated to PD. And I just wasn't getting a good vibe from Jim. He'd been a really nice guy to me when he was music director. And when he became PD and something changed, I didn't know what, but I just, I just had a very uneasy feeling and felt, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be here long. I think he wants to make some changes. So I called up Mike Wagner at Kiss FM. He said, yeah, come on, come on. I got something for you. He said, great. So that's, that's what happened there. I want to get to how does SoCal boy go to San Francisco to go to Northern <clears throat> California yeah. and become the, the biggest thing since KFRC? Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're the too, number you're one kind. afternoon guy. I'm driving in San Francisco, and I see Jeff McNeil on billboards everywhere. Wow. Wow! <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was, <laughs> and that's a big city. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's, we're yeah. talking about San Francisco. Yeah, and and you're everywhere. Well, uh, how that happened was I was working at Kiss FM as we talked about, and uh, uh, I was doing weekends primarily, and. Uh, Chris Roberts, who was one of the guys that got fired by Frankie Crocker at Q102, he and I remained friends, and he went to uh, program KGGI 99.7, 99.9, I forget, the, whatever I it is. I think I worked with Chris either at 99.1 or yeah, at 99.1. Yeah, yeah, and he was a character. But anyway, he asked me if I wanted to come down and do the morning show, and I thought, wow, what a great opportunity, because... I'd always wanted to do mornings. I hadn't yet, but I really wanted to do that. So I went to San Bernardino and uh, I started doing mornings at 99.1 and um, in, increased the ratings by like a couple of two, like full points in the 10 months that I was there. And I remember going in and I had a good relate. It's funny. Uh, I, I can't get into too much history here, but I'd worked with the GM at that station in Oxnard at KCY, that we talked about earlier, Don Davis. And I left that station to start working in LA. And I gave my two weeks notice, just to, you know, the proper thing to do. Well, KCY, Don Davis, they, I, I came back from a weekend at my parents in Pasadena. I drove all the way up to Ventura to, or Oxnard to do my shift. I walk in and PD says, oh, hey, uh, you, you know, thanks, but you're out. And uh, you don't have to do any more shifts, you know. You're, you're, you're done. And I go, well, wait a minute. I, I was prepared to do a couple more weeks, you know. I'm, I'm, 
a pro. I, I'm not going to, you know, no, no, that's, don't worry about it. And I said, I'm not getting paid. You know, he said, severance? No. So now I'm really pissed off. I'm thinking, here, I drive two hours to do my shift to show up and do the right thing. And now they're telling me, eh, you're done. So I walk into the GM's office. It was Don Davis. I said, what's going on? Oh, well, it's our policy. You know, we uh, we just uh, cut somebody a check and, you know, let you go. I said, well, I didn't get a check. He goes, oh. I said, you know what? Your policy sucks. And I left and Jim Barker was the PD. He was running after me with a album, handful of albums. Well, let me give you some albums. I said, get out of my way before I run you over. I was just pissed off. I don't want your, I don't want your albums. So, so, <laughs> so now we, fla- we flash forward a few years. Now, Don Davis, the same GM who unceremoniously cut me loose from KECY when I went to work in L.A., he's the GM in, in, uh, uh, in San Bernardino, Riverside. And, oh, hey, Jeff, good to see you. And, you know, I didn't say anything. I didn't bring up, dredge up the old hostility I felt for how that was handled. But I did my thing. And we got along fine. We had a very nice relationship. And we got along great. Well, uh, I sent an air check. My, my sister was working in an art gallery um, on the ground floor of the building that KYUU was in. KYUU was owned and operated by NBC. Right. And she said, you know, you ought to send your tape here because I think you'd be really good on the station. And I'm thinking, San Francisco, NBC, what chance do I have? But, you know, why not? Send them an air check. Send them a note. See what happens. Unbeknownst to me, uh, Mike Novak, who was the PD, flew down and listened to me doing my morning show in San Bernardino without me knowing it. And, and this is kind of one of those fateful moments. I remember that I was playing a song by Paul McCartney, and it's pretty obscure by today's standards. It's called Take It Away or something. And uh, it wasn't that great of a song. But there's a verse in the song that says, You never know who may be listening to you. And, and it, it repeats a couple times. I remember doing my show that morning, and... Thought, you know, I'm not going to throw it away. I'm just going to really try to really kick butt because, yeah, you, you never really do know. And that morning I get a call. Hey, Jeff, Mike Novak from KYUU. Oh, how's it going, Mike? Hey, listen, I've been listening to your show, and uh, I was wondering if you would like to fly up and discuss possibly working with this. Okay. So I flew up, and uh, uh, long story short, I was offered afternoon drive. Uh, they Got rid of Tom Parker, who was doing it. He'd been there for a long time. And I remember I walked in and... uh, And that was a big thing at the time. Oh, man. I was like dying and going to heaven. I was 22 years old. And I walk in and Rick Shaw is across the glass. His real name is Hugh Silvis, but he was a mainstay in San Francisco for years and years. And I remember listening to him when I'd come up to visit my grandparents who lived in San Francisco. My family's from there originally, my mother's side of the family. My father's side was from Oakland, so there's a rich history in my family with the Bay Area. Wow. And so I remember listening to them on the radio, and I remember just looking through the glass, and it was a, it was a, uh, not a combo, it was, we had engineers, you know, just like back in the old days. There was engineers doing all the, neighbor engineers doing all the controls and pushing so the buttons. So all the time... You're on the air at KYUU. You have an engineer 
Not the whole six years, but the first two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be on the other side of the glass going, you know, that kind of stuff. How cool is that? Yeah, you know, it was cool. It was, it, it, it was it, yes and no, because I was used to running my own board and doing my own thing. Yeah. So all of a sudden not having that control and having to tell somebody, okay, stack up this effect, this one, this one, we're going to do it in this order. And do this. So it was. So it threw you off at first, I guess. I would uh, imagine. Uh, yeah. yeah it just threw me off. Yeah, just a little bit. But uh, I got used to it. And then, yeah, it was just kind of like, wow, this is really the big time. You know, it was kind of neat. And I made a lot of good friends, uh, and it was a neat station. Um, so that, anyway, that's that's how that happened. And, and the was, top of the hour always had the NBC chimes. Yeah, they let me do basically a morning show and afternoon drive, and that's why we had such phenomenal success. And everyone uh, knew your name. It was an amazing time in radio. Radio still mattered. Personality still mattered. People would have you on all over San Francisco. It, it, and I didn't even know you were doing afternoons there until my <laughs> wife and I were, were visiting. Ah. And I said, my God, this man's a star here. Ah, He's yeah. a star. Everyone knows his name. I always knew he was going to be a star. I thought it was going to be in L.A. You know, I thought you were going to be on I, one of the... I, I would like to have. I, that, that, was my, that was my hope, but it just never... But really San happened. Francisco is just as big. I mean... It, oh, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I didn't mind working for NBC in San Francisco. It was, it was good. And, and we had a great time. It was a great staff. The thing I loved most of it, in fact, that was the best job I ever had in radio. That was the, that was the zenith of my career. I and, can imagine. Uh, yeah, and it was... Uh, I worked with some wonderfully talented professionals. And the, the coolest thing about it was everyone was very secure in their own heads and there was no ego. There was no uh, backbiting, none of the kind of crap you, you deal with, you know, from time to time. No one was out to get you. You know, it was like everyone really respected and admired each other and supported each other. And, um, it was just a wonderful working environment. So it was a good time in San Francisco. You just had a blast. I did. It was a good time for a long time. The last year wasn't uh, as fun. Uh, and I decided that it was time for me to go. Uh, I really wanted to do morning somewhere. And uh, I didn't sign the last. They, they wanted to re-up my contract for another year with a modest raise. And I kind of stunned them. When I said, gee, I'm really sorry, but I think I'm just comfortable continuing under the terms of the current contract. And because uh, I wanted to be able to have the flexibility to leave. I'd been offered a morning show in Philadelphia while I was there that I turned down for various reasons. Um, so I wanted to have the flexibility of being able to do something else. Well, the station was being sold. NBC was selling their entire radio division, which was a real sad shame to, uh, to Emmis. Uh, they were from Indiana. And, um, so I really wanted to get fired because I wanted to collect my union severance because after six years, it was a nice chunk. Right. Well, like I said, the last year was rough. They brought in a PD who was the music director of the DC station. Nice guy, beautiful guy, loved the guy, but he had no idea what he was doing. 
and he was just a horrible program director. And it was it was just a mess. The GM had been the sales manager. He moved up the ladder. Again, sweet guy, lovely guy. He came up with the idea that the station, call letters K-Y-U-U, spelled Q, if you say the word. So after all these years of the station identity being 99.7 K-Y-U-U, we're now going to be the Q with a rainbow big letter Q on the billboards. So, again, I wanted to get fired, but I, I, I had to be careful that I did it the right way so I didn't get fired for just cause. Right, very carefully. Yeah, and how I, how I did it, because I knew the guys from Emmis were listening and monitoring the station, so I did two things. I made jokes about Indiana and, you know, new guys taking over the station, blah, 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 blah. I didn't care, you know. But the other thing I did is every once in a while, instead of saying 99.7, the Q, I'd say, hey, listen to 99.7, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah. It's just all in the inflection. I'm still saying the Q, but it's how you say it. Right. 99.7, sure. fuck you. The intonation in your voice. Right? Yeah. And I knew I had the recordings, so if they ever said, oh, he was saying Fuck you. Well, no, I was saying the Q. Thank you. Yeah. So long story short, I got fired. I They paid me off tens of thousands in severance, and I was thrilled. They were, oh, gee, Jeff, we're so sorry. We have pushed you. I said, well, am I getting my pay? Yeah. yeah. I said, well, don't, don't feel bad. I just hope things work out as well for you guys when it's your turn, because when these guys take over, you may think you're going to be here, but you're not going to be here either. So good luck. Thank you very much. It's been fun. Of course, they all got fired. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so anyway, that that. But after that, radio was changing. Deregulation happened. Uh, I had been such kind of a brash, cocky force in San Francisco at that station. I would call the competing stations and put them on the air ridicule them and uh, you know I, I probably made a lot of enemies uh I, I just didn't care i just wanted to have fun and, and entertain my audience at any cost to myself and you did i i did but what i what i what i also did was made sure that i wasn't going to get picked up by any other station because i was kind of a hot potato a little bit because i could be controversial and did a few things that uh you know i at the time, it was very entertaining. Yeah, and, and, that's all. That's all that mattered at the time. Yeah, and and you know, you don't have radios no longer entertain me. That entertaining. No. That's why it's no longer a factor. That's right. why people don't listen to the radio anymore. Yeah. No matter how many people are going to tell you, oh, it's still alive. It's still it's still yeah. there. And no, it's not. Video it's not. killed. Video killed the radio star, and Napster killed the music industry. It's true. It's yeah, true. as soon as people could start downloading music for free, who needs the radio, and who needs to spend a fortune on uh, on on vinyl? You know, so yeah. But you can be proud different. that you were very entertaining. And, well, and that's very that, kind of that you. That played say. a big part in radio. Radio but, uh, legend Jeff McNeil. Thanks ah, for spending so much time. You know, I appreciate you taking the time and, and, and sharing your stories. And I would like to invite you back because we have so much more to talk about. I do appreciate 
the sentiments. And I, most of all, I appreciate that you and I are still friends after all these years. Me too. We've had, we've had different careers. Our paths have gone different directions. We haven't really stayed in touch per se, although we did reconnect on Facebook about 10 years ago, I'm guessing, right. and we communicate from time to time. But as I'm getting older, I'm finding that that's really the important thing to me is connecting with people that I knew when I was younger and just let them know how much I appreciate them, who they are, and, and how much their friendship means to me. And that goes for you. Absolutely. As um, to you as well. And I promise I, you'll come back on the show. I, I'd be delighted to. Yeah. Thank you so much. Jeff McNeil, take care of yourself and talk soon. Thanks, Dave. Great catching up with an old buddy, Jeff McNeil. And of course, Jeff McNeil's voice can still be heard on commercials and TV stations all across America and worldwide for all I know. Uh, Great talking to Jeff, and and I hope he does return to the show. We're going to take a couple of weeks off uh, with Radio Memories, but we'll be back on, let's see, September 29th with a very special guest, uh, another a uh, person who I consider a radio legend, Ted Ziegenbusch. Uh, what a great career Ted has. Uh, boy, he had in over 20 years at LA's Coast 103. So Ted Ziegenbusch will be on with us on Wednesday, September 29th. So I hope you join us when we're back with more Radio Memories. <laughs> 